Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Let us jump into this. This is exposing the devil and his strategies. It's sad how easy we are in America making, or not just in America, in the world, making the war for the devil. The devil has right now, if you don't know, an easy time against the church. Because meanwhile, he's pushing his agenda. Meanwhile, he's preaching against us. Meanwhile, he's doing everything he's doing, having free reign in the body of Christ. The devil has little to no resistance in the body of Christ. And when you preach against him, when you expose him, when you talk about him, people are saying, why do you talk so much about him? Are you obsessed with the devil? No, I'm obsessed with seeing believers walk in the God-given authority Christ gave them. The Bible says you've been given power over all the plans, the strategies, the schemes of the devil. You've been given power over demonic spirits. And so I know there's some soft Christians tonight that are going to say, oh, don't talk about the devil, brother. We don't need to talk about him. But the Bible talks about him. And the Bible doesn't just talk about him, but the Bible tells us to expose his works. I'm just confused. The devil has no problem attacking us, yet we have a problem attacking him. People say, don't get too much on deliverance. What do you even mean? What do you mean? We're not supposed to come against the plans of the enemy. This is our enemy, and we are in an army. Now, I just want you guys to think about this. Paul says we are soldiers. We are in an army. We are soldiers in an army. The devil is our enemy, okay? God has already defeated the devil. We now are at war against the kingdom of darkness, against the enemy. If you don't know that's the case, then you haven't watched the news lately. If you're ignorant to the fact that you're in a war, you are in a war. You are in a battle against the enemy. That is your enemy. Your enemy is not other Christians, other churches, other religions. Your enemy is the devil and his kingdom of of demonic spirits, okay? You're a warrior. You're in, ar- you're in the army. You're a good soldier, Paul says. You don't get entangled or ensnares with civilian life. So the crazy part is we know this. We all preach this and believe this. But then when you talk about casting out demons, then when you expose the devil like I'm doing tonight, a bunch of Christians come in the comments and say, oh, maybe you shouldn't talk about him, brother. Maybe you shouldn't talk so much about deliverance. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm at war against him. How could you go to, to war against someone you you don't even talk about you don't even expose and you don't actively war against in fact i would say it's probably because a lot of christians are fighting for him not against him it's probably because a lot of christians are in love with the kingdom of darkness are entertained by the kingdom of darkness are infatuated by the kingdom of darkness so when you oppose the kingdom they secretly love they get mad like some of you are wearing our jersey but you're scoring in the wrong basket. You're running the ball for the enemy. You're you're giving him territory. And I just want to tell you, we need to fight against this stuff. We need to go to war. We need to stand against the works of darkness because the devil's not backing down. The devil's not calming down. Well, you don't have to shout. The devil is shouting. The devil's shouting at your kids. The devil's shouting against your marriage. All week long, the enemy's using his fallen angels his demonic spirits. He's the prince of demons, the Bible says, to rule and to govern and to reign. So let me ask you this, chat. Where are the Christians that are standing up against the powers of darkness? Where are the Christians that are going to say, you're not going to have my kids. 
You're not going to have my marriage. You're not going to have my wife. Come on, men. Where are you at? Y'all are way too soft tonight. You're not going to have my husband. You're not going to come up in this house and have your way. I am not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of exposing you. I'm not afraid of confronting you. I'm not afraid of binding you. I'm not afraid of casting you out. We are not afraid of the devil here. We're not afraid of exposing him. We're not afraid of talking about him. We're not afraid of warring against him. Where, where are the believers that are ready to go to battle? Ephesians, I'm giving you lots of verses tonight. I'm going to give you a lot of verses tonight. Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. He said, take, take no part in evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So the Bible tells us, Paul says to the church of Ephesus, expose the works of darkness. And that word expose means to uncover something. Satan has an agenda and a plan for your life, for this nation, And the Bible says we need to expose him. And when you expose him, he loses his power and his authority. So we're called to expose him. Look at what 1 John 3, 8 says. It says the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning since from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Beloved, one of the main reasons that Jesus came was to destroy Satan's works. Now, 2 Corinthians says, we are Christ's ambassadors. So if Christ came destroying his works, we are God's representatives, then we are called to destroy the works of the devil. But how can you fight something you're ignorant of? How can you fight something you know nothing about? How can you, how can you fight something if you don't know his plans and you don't know his schemes? Look at what Ephesians six eleven says. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So the devil does have schemes. He does have plans. He does have strategies. And we're going to uncover one of his main strategies. In fact, I'm going to show you in scripture where the devil directly talks to someone and how that person overcame the devil. Now, it's likely you'll never meet the devil face to face. It's high. I would say 100% none of us in this, in this chat tonight are going to meet the devil face to face. But you are going to encounter his representatives, which are demons. So if we know how to destroy him, if we know how to overcome him, if we know how to destroy his works, if we know how to combat him and work against him and, and say no to him, then we can also expose his ministers. We can also overcome his ministers and know their plans and strategies. But if we're ignorant, then we're going to lose to this. If we are ignorant, we're going to lose this battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. To keep Satan from taking advantage of us. One translation says, of having an advantage over us. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, this is what Paul is saying. So that Satan won't take advantage or have an advantage over us. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We know his plans. We know his schemes. And we know his strategies. This is not a game. This is not a joke. Your life is at stake. Your family is at stake. Your ministry is at stake. And let me just be very clear on something. The devil is not lukewarm like you. The devil is not in compromise like us. The devil's not part-time. I know a lot of us are at parties and 4th of July, all of that. Great, praise the Lord. But the devil's not taking time off. The devil's not halfway in. Some of you are half in with God. The devil's not half in. Demons aren't half in. Darkness isn't half in. The prince of the power of the air, the rulers of darkness are not half in. We have a lot of part-time Christians trying to overcome full-time demons. A lot of part-time Christians trying to overcome full-time devils. And we have this mentality that we're just dumb sheep. We're, we're just dumb sheep. We don't know anything. We've always been taught sheep are dumb. That's a lie. Sheep are not dumb. Sheep are dumb when they get scared. 
In fact, a sheep could remember about 80 plus commands. They're incredibly smart. And the problem is they get dumb when they get scared, which leads to the next thing. They get scared easily. They're always scared. And the moment a sheep gets scared, they forget everything they've learned. So the devil wants to pump fear into you so that you forget everything God has said for you, said about you, said over you, said in his word. But understand, friend, the devil has lost. The devil is under our feet. Now, he still has power and authority, but for the believer, he has the power and the authority we give him. But we are positioned over him. You cannot overcome him if, he, if you're entertained by him. You cannot overcome him if you're watching music, listening to music, watching movies, and laughing and entertained by the things that he creates. We need to stop supporting darkness. We need to bankrupt the kingdom of darkness. There's too many of us that are supporting the works of darkness. Jesus overcame on that cross. The cross put death in its place. The cross put depression in its place. The cross put anxiety in its place. The cross put fear in its place. The devil is, type this in the chat, under your feet. The devil's not above you. The devil is beneath you. The devil's a liar. He's a thief. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ has come to give you life and life more abundantly. Why do we keep listening to the devil? And where is the fight? Where are those that are aggressive? Where are those that are going to challenge the enemy and not give up territory so easy? Why do we, why do we so easily give up territory? Friend, we are in a war. Right now, there's a battle going on. Don't lose sight of the war. Don't get caught up living on day to day, forgetting that we're fighting something. We're fighting not just something, but we're fighting for someone. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our marriages. What would your fight look like if you realize that you're fighting for someone? I'm, I'm fighting for my kids. When I'm praying, when I'm fasting, when I'm preaching, when I'm doing all my content and I'm creating this this revival movement in America and sparking revival and praying and preaching and traveling. I'm building something. I'm fighting for my kids for the next generation. I'm fighting for my grandkids generation. Guys, we are fighting against the works of darkness. Why do you think they want to shut us down? Why do you think they want to ban us? Why do you think they want to take us off of social media? We're fighting for souls. This is the battle. The enemy is after souls. God is after souls. But what are we after? Are we after reaching people? Are we after seeing souls saved? Are we after seeing the power of God released in our churches? We need to go to battle. We need to stop with these soft ministries, these soft churches that are afraid of spiritual warfare. You have a pastor that's like, I don't want to really want to deal with Castile demons. I'm afraid of it. Why are you afraid of it? I don't understand. Why are you afraid of it? You have the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not afraid of demons. We've been commissioned. The great commission is go and make disciples, cast out devils, heal the sick raise the dead, preach the gospel. We don't need to hide from the devil. We're not afraid of the devil. We're going to confront the works of darkness. You go to that friend or family that has a demon, confront that demon. You're not, you're not going to mess with my family. You're not going to mess with my kids. You're not going to mess with my marriage. I'm not just going to get a job, buy a house, and just live my life and survive. I'm not going to shy away from confrontation. I'm going to run to the battle, not away from the battle. These are not, this is not the hour to be silent. This is not the hour to shrink back. This is not the hour to be afraid of what you believe. This is the hour to shout with the voice of triumph, to declare that we are overcomers in Christ, that we are alive in Christ, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have no fear. There's no fear here. I've not been given the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I'm going to show you, yes, the devil has power. Yes, the devil has authority, but it's the power and the authority we give him. We've been given power over him.
We've been given authority. I'm going to show you with the word of God how we can overcome how we can overcome him. It's an incredibly dangerous place to be to have powerful, active enemies working against you and not even be aware of them. Some of you are not even aware that demons exist. You've had demons living in you for years and you're completely unaware that they're even there. You'd be like, oh, that's just my inner monologue talking to me. No. If there's a voice in your head talking to you, I'm not talking about your thoughts. That is not you. That's a demon. We've made this lie like, well, everybody has a voice talking to them. I don't. That's not normal. Show me in the Bible where it says you should always have a third person voice telling you to do things. And some of you have this voice all the time telling you to do this, telling you to go there, telling you people hate you. Always negative, always bad, giving you perverted thoughts, showing you perverted images, speaking dirty things in your mind, dominating thoughts. That is a demonic spirit. You need to know the enemies you face. You need to realize it's not normal to hear curse words in your head while your pastor's preaching a sermon. That's a demon. I'm just telling you, that's a demon. It's not normal to have thoughts of, I want to cut myself. It's not normal to wake up every single day bound to depression. It's not normal to have thoughts to hurt your family. These are demonic spirits. And it's dangerous, beloved, when you don't even know they exist. When your pastor is softer than a waffle, he won't even tell you. These demons are real. And then Jesus comes and overthrows the devil. Casts out demons everywhere he goes. Why is the church silent? This is where the church is at. We ignore them. We disregard them. We're not concerned with them. Meanwhile, the devil's prowling. You say, well, Christ defeated him on the cross. Yes, but we're still in this world where he's prowling, looking to destroy people, looking to control the world. Now, I'm going to show you he's actually the ruler of this world, the Bible says. I'm living in this world, not of this world, and the ruler of this world is the devil. And he has a plan for my life. And I want to expose that plan. I want to expose that strategy. I want to teach you about how to overcome him. Ephesians 6 says we're fighting invisible persons, spirits without bodies, no flesh and no blood. We're not warring against physical people. We're not warring against people you can see in the natural realm. And a lot of you, you live in the natural realm. So you're only worried about what you can see, what you can touch, what you can hear, and what's in this carnal realm. But understand, the book of Colossians says there's an invisible realm and there's a visible realm. There are real forces at work here. When you look at the, turn on the television and see this agenda against our children, it's demonic. It's demonic. These are demons that are fueling and using people to push their sexual agenda on our children. Wake up. Wake up. Why do you not see this? Why are you so offended by exposing the devil? Are you on his team? Are you, I'm wondering some of these pastors, like, don't talk about deliverance. Don't, are you, is he your friend? Is he your coworker? Is he your family member? Why are you so pressed that I'm exposing the devil tonight? Pastor, I'm asking you, why are you so pressed that I'm talking about the devil and how to overthrow him? Maybe you are working for him. Maybe you're in love with him. Maybe, maybe he's on your team. The devil doesn't attack people he's dating. The devil doesn't attack people that walk the same way as him. If there's no persecution, if we're not, I would be more worried if I wasn't getting censored. Like, I'm like, I'm, I know I always complain. I'm banned on Facebook. I'm banned on TikTok. I'm banned on Instagram. I have t 20 strikes on TikTok. I know I'm complaining all the time about it, but I would be, I should be more concerned if I wasn't getting taken down. Because maybe I would be playing into his agenda. He has a plan. So we're not, the sensory world is passing away, friend. 
Just, I just sometimes I have to stop and make you guys aware of that. The natural world is passing away. Everything you have is is dying. Every every natural possession you have is is gonna burn. It's passing away. So we're inviting and in, we're fighting invisible enemies, invisible forces. We got to fight in the right realm. Maybe you have a family member dealing with addiction. And you're fighting that addiction, but you don't realize there's probably a spirit behind that or a kid that's rebellious and you're fighting them in the natural and you're yelling and shouting and screaming, but you don't realize there's a, there's a spirit of rebellion at work. I'm just trying to get you to see that there's invisible forces at work, invisible forces, and you have power over them. And it's wrong that we're not even talking about them. Right now, as I speak, Satan is working. Right now, as I speak, he's working in the chat. He's working in the world. He's working in the earth. Where is he? I don't know exactly where he's at, but I do know this. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. And he's not omnipotent. He's not all-knowing, not all-powerful, not all places at all times. He can only be in one place at one time. And he's limited in his resources and in his power. Yet you've been given all power and all authority over his plans and strategies. And you know what he doesn't want you to know? He doesn't want you to know that you have power over him. He doesn't want you to know the authority that you've been given in Christ. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2 says. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Look at this. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This is talking about the devil. So what does... Paul tell the church of Ephesus, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's for sure working in the earth, in the air. I'm not going to go into tonight the second heaven and where demons live and all that stuff. But he's the prince of the power of the air. He's ruling from the air. He's ruling from the air. And he has rulers of darkness. He has principalities. He has thrones. He has dominions under his command that are working out his plan in the earth. Now, the, the misconception is, and I'm going to go into Satan and Lucifer, and so for some of you, it'll be recap. For some of you, this will be brand new. The misconception is a lot of the culture thinks Satan is running hell. Let me make this very clear. Satan does not run hell. In fact, Satan does not live in hell. Matthew chapter 25 says hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. When God judges the devil and his angels, which is not yet, just so you guys are clear, biblically, the devil has not been thrown into hell. The, and I'll show you at the end where he will get thrown into hell. The demons have not got thrown into hell. Now, I do believe there are some demons in hell that have been cast out of people that are waiting for judgment in the abyss or in the pit. But demons do not primarily or principally live in hell. Now, can demons access hell? Can the devil access hell? Probably. Maybe. But the demons are not just going up and down in hell. The devil's not living in hell. Write this down. Put this in the chat. Hell is the devil's final destination, not his current address. Now, why is it important I say that? It's his final destination, not his current address. Because if you think the devil's in hell, you'll be like the rest of the American church and you'll be like the rest of the world. You'll just ignore the devil. He's down in hell. He's torturing people. And that's where he's at. No, that's not what, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches he's the God of this world, he's the ruler of this world, and he's the prince of the power of the air. It does not say that the devil's in hell just torturing people. What would that benefit the devil? The devil's goal is to make sure as many people as possible go to hell and don't go to heaven, but he would be doing himself a disservice if he was just sitting in hell like the culture teaches. And the devil would love for you to believe that, that he's out of sight, out of mind, he's just in hell, running hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. I'll show you what the Bible teaches. John chapter 12, verse 31. 
The time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. There is coming a time where Satan will be thrown into hell. What does the Bible identify him as? What does Jesus identify in John 12? He's the ruler of this world. Jesus Christ identifies the devil as the ruler of this world. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God, that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's 1 John 5, 19. So what is the whole world under? The control of the devil. According to the Bible, John says the entire world is under the devil's control. Now, it doesn't take much math or much uh, common sense to understand. If John tells us, and this is the inspired word of God here, that the whole world is under the devil's control, how is it possible the devil's just in hell poking people with pitchforks? It wouldn't make sense. He can't be the prince of the power of the air and living in hell all the time at the same time. He can't be con control of the whole world and be at hell at the same time. So I want you to know that we are fighting a real enemy, a real devil that's infinitely darker, more twisted, and more wicked than you can even imagine in human language. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, look what it says about the devil. In their case, the God of this world. Let me say that again, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God, that's a lowercase g, of this world blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel who is the image of God. So who is the devil? The ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. Again, if you don't believe this, you obviously haven't spent much time in culture or just opened up your window and looked outside and saw the state of, of humanity right now. 2 Timothy 2.26. And they came and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So it talks about escaping the trap of the devil who's captured these people to do his will. When you see society raging in an ungodly way like they are right now, you need to understand the devil has captured them and the devil is using them to do his will. And many of us spent years doing the will of the devil. Hello, how many of you spent years doing the devil's work? Not realizing. Now, does anyone support slavery? Does anyone support slavery? Let me know in the chat. Not, I hope 150% of us say, I don't support slavery. Then why do we support the devil keeping humanity enslaved? Why do we support? The Bible says, if you sin, you are a slave to sin. We don't support slavery, yet we are okay with our friends and family being a slave of the devil? Our friends and family being a slave of sin? The devil enslaves, like Pharaoh, the whole world. He controls, he's the ruler of this world. And I'm not okay with my friends and family being enslaved. I'm not okay with my friends and family being slaves of sin when I have the answers, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Get some boldness in you. Some of you need to get a little Hispanic in you. Get some fight in you. We need the, we need the warrior spirit in these last days. To say, I'm not okay with this. Now in Isaiah 14, we're introduced to a supernatural being called Lucifer. Now, let me make it clear. The devil is not, again, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's a fallen angel. He can't create. We have more power. Humans have a natural advantage over angels. I realized this today, even in my studies. I was like, wait a minute. Guys, get this. And man, this makes the devil mad. You're not an angel. You actually, the Bible says one day, will judge the angels. And the Bible says the angels envy us. 
So you are a higher order than the angels. You've been created in the image of God. Angels were not created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. You will judge the angels one day, the Bible says. So if I'm above an angel, if I'm in, in, in the order of creation, I'm, the, I'm a higher order of creation than an angel. I've been given creative power. I've been made in the image of God. I have a soul that can be redeemed, spend eternity with God forever. Then the devil is a fallen angel. Why am I giving him so much power, so much authority? Isaiah 14 says, Lucifer is a supernatural being. Now the Latin root, the word Lucifer means the one who brings light. In Hebrew, the word Lucifer is translated as the morning star. In any language, Lucifer is portrayed as a radiant, shining, glorious being. And I believe many Bible scholars would probably agree. Now, this is not explicitly in scripture, but many people believe that Lucifer was an archangel. Now, let me be clear. The Bible does not say Lucifer was an archangel. It's a popular belief that there was three archangels, which is Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. Although the Bible only says Michael is an archangel. I know a lot of you have been taught that Gabriel and Michael are the archangels, but the Bible doesn't say that. The only archangel identified is Michael. Most people believe Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael are all archangels. It doesn't mean they are. It just means most people believe that. But we know for sure that Michael is an archangel. Arch meaning, you know, they have authority. They rule over. That's what the archangel means. It's an angel that rules over other angels, okay? Now, it would make sense if Lucifer was an archangel because he convinced one-third of the angels to rebel with him. So if he had one-third under his command, Michael has one-third of the angels. Remember, archangel is an angel that commands angels, and Gabriel has one-third of the archangels under his command, then that would make sense. But at some point, Lucifer was overtaken with his own glory, his own looks, his own power, that he tried to make himself equal to God and rebelled against God. Look at what Isaiah 14, chapter 14, verse 12 says. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. So notice the phrase in, in the Isaiah, you're going to get five in the, in the portion that talks about um, Lucifer, which I'm going to show you. I want you to notice before I read this, there's five I wills, okay? Five times in the next two verses, we're going to see the word I, which is a, is a real prideful I this, I that. Be careful if you don't live your life saying, I did this, I did this, I did that. You can be opening yourself up to pride. But look at what Isaiah 14, 13 through 14 says. This is what it says. For you, and it's talking about Lucifer now, who's now Satan, who's the devil, who was Lucifer, the radiant shining one. It says, for you have said in your heart. So Satan, Lucifer, said this in his heart in Isaiah 14, 13. I, look at the eyes. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt myself above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of, of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, and I will be like the Most High. These are the five I wills speaking of the fall of Lucifer. So Lucifer's desire was to elevate himself to a place God didn't put him in and make himself equal to God. One day he thought, and maybe I can be God. And this is one of the strategies Satan's using on humanity to make humanity their own God. This is the path of Satanism. If you didn't know, I can be my own God. I can lead my own this. I can lead my own that. No one tells me what to do. That's the path of Satanism. Satanism teaches this. The essence of whatever makes you happy, whatever brings you pleasure, do it. You are your own God. How dare culture tell me what to do? This is what Satan always tells you. 
You don't need someone ruling over you. You don't need someone telling you what to do. Do whatever you want. Everything goes as long as it brings you pleasure and happiness. Guys, let me know in the chat. Is in this society right now, whatever goes, nothing's too vile, nothing's too twisted, nothing's too dark. It's, it's normal in our society to have men letting other men sleep with their wives. And they have a word for it. I won't say the word because it's foul, but they have a word for it. These guys are like, oh yeah, I just like watching other people sleep with my wife. And I like, it's demonic, it's perverted. I'm looking at this going, what is this world? Anything goes, you can be whatever you want. Whatever you want to identify as, you can identify as whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do. The moral restraints of humanity are being lifted and the, con the constraints God's put on humanity are, are gone. We don't need no one to rule over you. Is anything off limits now? What's off limits now? As long as you don't hurt nobody, you can do it. Wrong is right and right is wrong. There's no limits, no rules. So Satan didn't just fall because he said, I will, I will, and wasn't cut down. Satan also convinced one third of the angels to do the same thing. This is what Isaiah 14, 15 says. You shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. God casts him down. God creates hell for the devil and his angels, and God casts him down to the earth. God casts him down to the pit, which will be, not yet, but I'll show you later, his final destination forever, where he'll never be able to leave. He'll be here forever. Now, the devil does, I won't go into the theology of it, but there, to some extent, even in the book of Revelation, the devil has some ability to go from heaven to earth to hell and back and forth. Because even in the book of Job, we see the devil, even after he fell, coming before the throne of God. Even in the book of Revelation, it says he's the accuser, I'm going to show you this later, that accuses us day and night before the throne of God. I don't know the full theology of it. I don't know. The Bible gives us a small glimpse, so I'm not going to make a whole teaching on it. But the devil has some ability, I don't know to what extent, to go before the throne of God and make accusations against us. This is Ezekiel 28, 12. We'll see a description of Lucifer. He says, the Bible says, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. This is talking about Lucifer. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and the pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So this is the devil, how beautiful God designed him. And many people say, well, he was the worship leader in heaven. Again, another teaching that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say he was the worship leader of heaven. Is it possible he was the worship leader of heaven? Yes. Does the Bible say he was the worship leader of heaven? No, okay? Just, we gotta be theologically sound. It's possible he was, but for whatever he was doing, he wasn't, he had musical instruments in his body. The workmanship of timbrels and pipes was prepared on the day he created. So there was some type of pipes, some type of musical instrument. Now we know if Satan did music in heaven, we don't know if he was leading it or he was the worship leader, but we, we can deduct that if he did worship in heaven or did music in heaven, it's likely he would come down to earth and do music to control people, to destroy people, to pervert people. Have you ever thought about how powerful music is? The power to change emotions, change desires, make you happy, make you angry. It literally has power to control you. Music does. It could take you places. If you look at all these celebrity artists that are in the occult and in the new age and all of this, it's always the music industry. It's always the Illuminati. It's always witchcraft. It's always attached to music industry. 
And that's because Satan uses music to manipulate, to control people. So don't say it's not that big of a deal. Music has power. It has incredible power. And I know this because if you say something crazy, right, about killing somebody, drugs, all of that, just a crazy sentence, everyone would, would say you're nuts. But if you put murder, drugs, adultery, every vile thing in a song, it's the number one hit song. If you say it on television, they'll you'll get canceled. But if you put it in a song, you could say the most foul, vile things as long as it's in the, it's in the form of a song. And the devil knows this, so he uses music. I've never understood this. I'm like, you have these middle-class people singing songs about killing and drugs, and I'm like, what are you singing? It's just crazy. So sexual. The number one trending chart songs that are sexual songs, you look at the lyrics and you're like, this is written pornography and the whole culture singing it normal because the devil knows if I could put this, these, this message in the music, I could pervert an entire generation and y'all support this stuff. You guys go and buy the albums. Oh, it's just Beyonce. It's just Justin Bieber. He says he's a Christian and you buy these sexual songs and music and you support it. I just personally, now let me share with you my personal stance. I have a whole video I won't go into because I have a lot more to cover tonight. I personally would not listen to secular music or recommend anybody. If it's the devil's music, it's not God's music. If, it, if the devil's using this music, then I'm not going to be participate in it. Why would I participate in the works of darkness? So I don't, I don't see secular music ha having any place for the people of God. I don't see it having any place. Now, what was Lucifer's major sin that caused all of this? Caused him to be cut down, caused him to sin. Ezekiel 28, 17. Again, remember, I don't have time to go into it fully, but he convinces. The Bible says he trafficked or lobbied or merchandised one-third of the other angels to rebel with him. So he was literally convincing them God wasn't as good as God said he was. And be careful when you're around people that are convincing you God's not as good as he says he is. Because this is what Lucifer did. He was, the Bible says, a talebearer. He would go around telling them lies about God. And one, the actual Hebrew word is he was trafficking. He was gossiping. He was bringing fake news to the other angels to get them to, to stray away from God. And he ultimately convinced one third of the other angels. So be careful who you're hanging out with because they might convince you to turn from God. The major sin was pride. Ezekiel 28, 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of a splendor. Pride was the number one sin that caused the fall of Lucifer, the first sin, and in a perfect environment in heaven, Lucifer sinned. So don't think just because you're in church, just because you're in a good environment and a good marriage, you can't sin. Lucifer sinned in a perfect environment. This is why we can't play with sin. The sin, sin of pride is one of the strongest sins that opens up the door. It's the root of all sin. It's the origin of sin. So we need to ask the Lord, God, take my pride tonight. I don't want any pride in me. I don't want to buy my own press. I don't want to believe better about myself. That's why Paul said, be careful that you don't think you're better than you really are. Don't allow pride to set into your heart to think you're better than you really are. Lord, take my pride. I don't want this. I'm disgusted by this pride. I need you, Lord. I need you, God. So what transitioned Lucifer into Satan was his pride. It was the five I will. So let's look at these very quickly. And then I want to go into overthrowing Satan when you encounter him. Because we have a story in the Bible of a man that encountered Lucifer, or Satan, no longer Lucifer, had a full conversation with him, and I want to show you how he overcame him. So the first thing was, let's go over these quickly, I will ascend into heaven. He wants to be in the position of God. 
So his first mistake was wanting to take God's place. And to this day, look at this chat. He's trying to take God's place in your life. Okay, his first thing he said was, I will ascend into heaven. I will be in the position of God. And so what does Satan do now? How, do, how does this help us with the strategy? He wants to take God's place in your life. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to worship him. Everything God looks for from you, Satan says, I will ascend to the place of God. He wants you to pledge your allegiance to him. Now you would say, I would never worship Satan or serve Satan. But understand, by ignoring God, by rebelling against God, by denying God, that's exactly what you're doing. There is only two gods. There's actually two gods of, in, in scripture. There's the uppercase God and there's the lowercase God. There's only two gods. So you have to decide, am I worshiping the uppercase God or am I worshiping Lucifer, the lowercase God? Because you are worshiping something. Everybody is doing something. And by default, we're serving the God of this world. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's only two masters. Satan is hidden. So remember, by not serving God, you're serving him. Satan hides himself and disguises himself as an angel of light. So he said, I will ascend. Second thing is he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now, Satan, remember, sought authority over all the other angels. Stars in the Bible often identify angels. So he ruled over one third, many scholars believed, but he wanted to rule over all of the angels. Remember, God rules over all the angels. God is in control of all the angels. Satan wants to rule over all of them. He said, I will ascend my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God are the angels of God. Revelation 12, 4 describes the fall of the angels. So he wants to, descri- he wants to ascribe authority over them. He wants to dominate them and take control over them. Satan, write this down, is a control freak. He wants to control the, your decisions. He wants to manipulate you. He wants to dominate you. He is the complete control freak that seeks to fully control humanity and seeks to fully control you. And he hates the fact that you're no longer his. Demons hate the fact that you're no longer theirs. Demons hate the fact that they can't control you. That is why demons, when they're living in you, are constantly telling you to do things. And even demons will tell you to do things that are not even bad. And you're like, why would a demon tell me to do that? Because it wants to exercise control over you. Demons get sick and twisted pleasure over the fact that they're able to control you, that they, they have the ability to manipulate you and to, do th- and to tell you to do things that you'll actually do. So they look to control, okay? Number three, he said, I'll sit upon the mountain congregation from the sides of the north. And this means he wants to rule where God rules. Because if you see the north side in scripture, it relates to the presence of God, okay? Some of you are like, the north side in my city is the ghetto, okay? No, in scripture, the north side relates to the presence of God. Psalms 48 talks about the millennial reign of Christ where he rules earth from the north. So Satan said, I want to control what God is supposed to control. Again, does that in our life. He wants to control your tongue. These five I wills are all about control. He wants to control your decisions, wants to control your mind, your relationships. God has given you complete control. Don't let Satan take control. Then he says this fourth thing is I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. 100 of the 150 uses of the word cloud in the King James has to do with God's divine glory. So Satan wanted glory for himself that surpassed the glory of God. Remember, 100 out of the 150 uses of cloud in scripture has to do with the divine glory of God. So Satan said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will ascend above the glory of God. His ultimate desire is to be glorified. 
The Bible says he will set himself up. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, he will exalt himself, deny, defy everything that people call God in every object of worship. He will sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Okay, so Satan fills the Antichrist, and the Antichrist sits in the temple of God, claiming to be God. So what we saw Satan do before he fell, when he fell, we're going to see him do this again in the book of Revelation. His desire for worship, his desire to control the world. Remember, the Antichrist will control the world. The Antichrist will be a political figure, join everyone together, control the armies of the world. The devil will fill the Antichrist. The real person will be full of Satan. And he'll try to do what he did when he fell, what he tried doing in the garden. He will try to do it again in the book of Revelation. In the end times, he tries to do it again. He's, in, he's a walking L. He keeps trying to do the same thing and he keeps losing over and over. And then God comes down. Jesus comes down on a white horse and slays the Antichrist and all the armies with the breath of his nostril. His desire is to control. Then last thing he said, I will do is I will be like the most high God. I will be like the most high God. The Bible describes God as the most high. Matthew 28, Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Satan is longing to control the earth and the heavenly realms, to be like God, to take over it, to imitate God. And also remember, not only that, but Satan can appear, this is very important, as an angel of light. I know we all think Satan's wearing a trench coat with horns, but he, he can shapeshift. And the Bible says this, look at what 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15 says. And then I'm gonna share with you the man that talked to Satan. And no wonder, Look at this. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Let me say that again. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Again, guys, I know a lot of you are getting kicked out of YouTube. We just went from 2,000 to 1,300. Just get back in. If you get kicked, come right back in. I'm warning you ahead of time because the servers are going in and out. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So he has the ability to shapeshift into an angel of light. Therefore, this is what Paul says, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Okay, so it's possible Satan can transform himself and also his ministers will transform themselves into angels of righteousness, ministers of, I'm sorry, ministers of righteousness. They'll act like they're ministering for God. So how do we overcome Satan? Well, we have the best example in all of scripture of someone that overcame Satan. And that is the man Christ Jesus, fully God, fully man. He overcame Satan. Let us look at this here. Give me a little bit of time here. And we're going to break this down and we're going to look at, let me put it on screen. Will this help you guys if I have it on screen? Type one if you want me to keep it on screen. We're going to look at a direct confrontation between Satan and Jesus. Brief, but we can learn a lot from Satan's strategy and Satan's plan. So look at, let's start in verse one. And let's look at verse one here. Verse one says this. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, look at this, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But here's the important part. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is it Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and you think you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, why would we not need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So the question would be, what are you full of? Are you full of culture? Are you full of the flesh? Are you full of TikTok and social media and ego and pride and envy and all things dark and jealousy 
or are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, so many of us say, Lord, fill me with your spirit, but you're already full. You haven't poured out anything. The Bible says you will receive power, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will become a witness. So the Holy Spirit is so that you can become a witness. But why are we asking, Lord, fill us up if we're not going out and doing anything with what he's given us? We're not doing anything with the spirit that he's poured into us. I don't just want to be filled. Lord, I want to pour out. I want to pour out to where I'm empty so that God has an empty vessel to fill. Lord, I want to minister. Guys, I'm pouring out tonight. I'm going to end the broadcast empty, emptying it out. I, I physically, spiritually, I'm empty, Lord, and I have to pray after this. Lord, fill me again. I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. But guys, if we're not pouring anything out, then why would God fill us? Like, Lord, fill me. And he's like, why? You're already full. You were filled, like, and you don't pour out anything. You don't pour out. You don't reach people. What are we full of, guys? Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. So before, look at this, before Jesus overcomes Satan, the key is this. He's, I'm, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not, I'm not confronting Satan by myself. I'm not dealing with his demons by myself. Again, it's highly likely that none of you will ever encounter Satan, that I will never encounter the actual physical being of Satan, but I will be dealing with his minions, his ambassadors all the time. So I want to know how to overcome him and what his strategies are. Too many believers in the church are full of themselves. They don't come to prayer. They don't go to revival meetings. They don't catch the fire. Nothing beyond Sunday morning. They don't want God to interrupt their career. I don't want God to interrupt my career. I don't want God to interrupt my life. I don't want God to interrupt my sports addiction, my shopping, my vacations, my carnality, my lukewarm lifestyle. So my life is not filled with God. It's filled with my own desires. It's filled with my own dreams, my own destiny. But here's the gospel. I die to myself. It's, it's about saying no to the flesh. Guys, trust me. My flesh wants to go swim right now. It's 85. Let me show you the temp here in my office right now. 85 degrees with, with an AC blasting on me, by the way, right now. And you think my flesh wants to, but you know what I do? You think my flesh wants to preach right now? No, I say no to my flesh. Nope. Nope. You want to go swimming right now and cancel and not preach and see people get saved and delivered healed? Nope. Say no to the flesh. I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to deny myself. I want this. Now, if any of you have ever dieted before, you know what self-denial is. I want a cheeseburger, but I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to deny. In the same way you deny the cheeseburger on the diet, you deny your flesh. My flesh wants to do this. My flesh wants to lie. My flesh wants to steal. My Whatever it is your flesh wants to do. Oh, no, we're not doing that. Not today, devil. Not today, flesh. I'm denying myself. I want to have this good, this life, and be the... Deny myself. Deny myself for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because I'm not full of myself. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Do you have more of a hunger for God than any, anything else? Is God your number one? Guys, we don't have this type of preaching anymore in the church. Is God your number one or not? Is he everything to you? Or is he just an hour and a half Sunday morning, a little 90-minute song you sing, a little 90-minute worship, a little 90-minute Jesus? Do you have a 90-minute gummy bear Jesus that you made up that's not the Jesus of the Bible, or do you truly know him? Do you truly know? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? You wake up and go, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. He's the last thing I think about before bed. He's the first thing I think about when I wake up. My whole life is about him. My whole life is about serving him and advancing his kingdom. To live as Christ and die as gain. If I die, I win. 
And if I live, it's Christ living in me. It's no longer I that live. Isaiah's dead. Dead to my own desires. Dead to my own ambitions. My career path, dead. Not doing that. God wants me to preach. I was trying to become a deputy sheriff. It was my whole life dream to become a police officer. Got my degree. Graduated college at 19. Graduate high school at 16. And God's like, nope. Die to that desire. Now, maybe God will call you to go do that. But God didn't call me. He called me to be a preacher. And so I, I had to deny my own desire and die to myself and become a preacher and say yes to God. Whatever God's calling you to do, be full of him. Be full of the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time thing. This is a constant filling. The Bible says don't be drunk on wine, which will ruin your life. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine. Don't be out filling yourself with wine. Why do you need to be full of alcohol if you could be full of God? Why do you need to be full of beer and, and wine and white claws when you can be filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't be drunk on wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of you are trying to do Christianity without God. Let's be honest. We're trying to do Christianity without God. So Jesus is about to go in the wilderness to be tempted. And the only way to overcome that, write that down, is being full of the Holy Ghost. Write that down. The only way to overcome the devil is to be full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So who led him in? The Spirit did. The Holy Spirit led him in. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had when they had ended, he was hungry. So the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will lead you into a wilderness season to see if you can withstand the testing. Why is the devil attacking me like this? Why is the devil blocking God's voice? Why is the devil doing this to me? And God says, it's not the devil, it's me. I'm leading you into the wilderness to try to wean you off of emotions. I'm trying to weed, wean you off of needing another spiritual high, another encounter to keep the fire. Jesus was in the wilderness led by the spirit to be tested because if he can't pass this test, there's no way he could accomplish what he was on earth for. This is the start of his ministry. He's led directly. Before his ministry starts, this was the start. God says, I'm going to lead you in. There's going to be temptation, but it's, a, it's just a test. It's just a test to see if you'll pass. If you can't overcome the fact that all your friends think you're crazy, if you can't overcome the fact that girl keeps calling you, if you can't survive your past trying to bring you back, you'll never do all that God had for you. So before God puts you on a massive platform, he lets you be tested. He lets you be sifted. He leads you into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, let me, let me show this really quick to be very clear on something theologically. Who tempted Jesus? Who tempted Jesus? Who tempted? Type it in the chat. The devil tempted Jesus. Was it God that tempted Jesus? No. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness and the devil, he's in the wilderness and the devil tempted him. God will allow us to be tempted and tried by the devil. Do you remember when Jesus told Peter, Satan is asking to sift you? Do you remember that? Here's the interesting part about the story. Jesus didn't tell Satan, you're not allowed to sift Peter. Could Jesus have told Satan that? Of course he could have. He didn't do that. He didn't say, no, Satan, you can't. You know what he did? He told Peter, I'm praying for you that you won't give in to temptation. So Satan will come to sift you, Peter. And Satan did. Satan did knock. But here's what I'm doing. I'm praying for you that you don't give in, Peter. So God leads us into wilderness seasons, allows the devil to sift us and tempt us, and plays right into God's hand. 
and God sees if we pass that test or not. Like, I remember when I first got saved, I had all these powerful encounters, and then I felt like I didn't have the same crazy encounters after a while, but then I realized I was no longer a baby. I didn't need these these type of encounters to still believe in God. Like when you're a baby, you need to be coddled, pampered, held, fed. You can't walk by yourself. But don't get shocked that now that you've been in God for a few years, you're not having those crazy encounters you had in the beginning. You're not a baby any longer. God doesn't need to coddle you any longer. Don't be frustrated if God's not right in your face. You're not a baby anymore. Now you can learn to walk on your own. You're not a babe in Christ. That's why Jesus for 40 days was coming back and forth, teaching the disciples, showing them, look, even though I'm not with you, I'm still with you. Even though you can't see me, I'm still with you. Even though you don't feel me like you used to or have the encounters like you used to, doesn't mean I've left you. Just mean that you're growing up now. I'm not going to be that in that every time. You know, I used to have this thing and don't do this. This was very immature of me in my early days. And, and it's what immature believers do. But in my early few, I would say month or two of being saved, I was so shook by how real God was. I would always say like, God, if you're real, give me chills right now. And every single time, 100% of the time, the first month or two, I would get chills across my whole body. I know it's weird. I know some of you probably done the same thing, but I was just so shocked that God was real. I'd be like, God, if you're real, give me chills. And hundred percent, every time I would say that, my whole body would just have unexplainable chills all throughout my body. I was like, okay, that for me, after a few months, I would say that. And God one day was like, why do you need me? To, why do you need that? Why do you constantly need this Isaiah, this emotional validation that I'm real? Don't you just believe me that I'm real? And I, ne I never did that again. I'm like, that's immature. That's baby stuff. A lot of you in the chat are like, I used to do that too. I'm, that's, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's baby stuff though. It's like, I'm mature now. I don't need him to coddle me and, and put a, 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 a pacifier in my mouth. I know he's real. I know he's real. I don't need to doubt God anymore. Don't be afraid. Don't be confused. God is still with you. The wilderness in the Greek means lonesome. It's a place of isolation. It's a place where you lose the comforts you once had. You lose the, the friends you once had. I remember losing all my friends. All I had was God. It was a wilderness. It's how I started my ministry, but it was necessary. Some of you need to lose the people around you. You don't know how to get alone with God. This is a lonely, a lonely life. So some of you, you need to lose your friends. You need to get out of that. Now, there's a lot of things that 40 represents. He's 40 days tempted, but it, there's a lot of things it represents. I won't go into all of these, but there's a lot of 40s in the Bible that we'll go into on another day, okay? But he's there examining. Now, the word tempt in the Greek means to examine someone, to attempt to examine, to try someone. So the devil will attempt something to see where you're at. This is what he does. I'm going to try this on them. I'm going to give them this temptation to see if they're going to give in, to see where they're at. The devil's examining. Where's your price tag? Is it 30 pieces of silver like Judas, 40, 50, 60? The devil believes. Now, let me just make this clear, okay? The devil believes you have a price tag. He thinks there's some price. Is it a million dollars? Is it a large following? Is it attractive women? Is it drugs? The devil thinks you have a price and he's trying to find your price. What? This is what the devil's saying right now. This is what his kingdom. When I say the devil, I mean his kingdom. Because I don't know if the devil, maybe the devil does know me. I mean, I'm one of the biggest Christian YouTubers on the biggest platform. So maybe it's likely the devil knows who I am. If he just YouTubes Christianity, my, a lot of times my stuff will come. So the devil's going like, 
Let me send these demons to Isaiah and find out how much it'll cost to get Isaiah to quit. What is it going to cost to get Isaiah to go back and serve me? Imagine the absolute win it would be for the devil if I left God and served him again, like I used to for 19 years. The devil tries me, tempts me, but the Holy Spirit gives me the power to overcome. The Holy Spirit says, you can pass this test, Isaiah. You can do this. There's no temptation common unto man. You got this, Isaiah. The Holy Spirit cheers me on and the devil tries to bring temptation trials and he's trying to look for a price. He's examining me. And this is what the devil did to Job. He said, oh, Job's only serving you because he has stuff. Job's only, but if I take everything, Job won't serve you. And God goes, take everything. Don't kill him. Don't kill him, but take everything. And he took everything and Job refused to curse and mock God. This is what the devil does. How far are you willing to go? Oh, the devil says, oh, you're a prayer warrior. Let's see if you are. Let's bring some temptation. Oh, you're on fire. Okay. Let's see at 2 a.m. when I put that pop-up on your thing, when I have that person call you, that girl that, isn't it crazy how those girls that never gave you the time of day, never called you, never wanted nothing to do, all those girls want nothing to do with you. The moment you get saved, all those girls are calling you up. You're like, dude, when I was in the world, all of these girls wanted nothing to do with me. The first week of my salvation, all the girls that ignored me are calling me now. Don't you think that's a little bit suspicious? Don't you think that's the devil? trying to tempt you, trying to examine you. Oh, you're a Christian now? You go set on fire at a revival meeting? Let's see. Let's have your old dealer call you. Let's have your ex call you. Let's have your old boss call you that used to work with and manipulate and lie and cheat and do all that stuff with. Let's see if you are who you say you are. Oh, you want to go to the nations? Okay, let's see if you could even stay away from compromise. You say you're humble. You're on your live stream. Oh, I'm so humble. Okay, let's see. The devil says, let's see, I'm going to examine you. So very clear, the devil was examining Jesus and tempting Jesus, not God. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Look what Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says. Look at this. Then I heard a loud voice, salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren. This is Revelation 12, 10. The accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So Revelation says the devil accuses us day and night before the throne has been cast down, constantly accusing you, saying things about you. Don't play games. The devil's not playing. Don't play games. The devil's planning. He's plotting. He's scheming for your demise. We're not going to give in. I want to sift you, Peter. And Jesus goes, I'm, I'm praying for you, Peter. And the devil did come and sift Peter. And Peter failed that test. But he got up again, thank the Lord. So what is your price? Ask yourself that. Are you, pr- is, there, is there a place you can go where you go, I have no price. 50 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver, an ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, an ex this, ex I, I have no price. I'll, I can't go back. Is, is someone putting a gun to your head your price? Now some of you are like, I will die for Jesus. Listen, I, I know we all think that we're willing to have a gun put to our head for Jesus, but if you're not willing to just live for him now, I promise you won't die for him. How are you going to say I would die for Jesus if you don't even live for Jesus? You give TikTok eight hours a day. You give Jesus eight minutes a day. You are not going to die for Jesus. Let's just stop here. I would go across to the Sudan. I would go anywhere in Africa, anywhere in India. I would go to the Muslim countries and preach the gospel. No, you won't. You won't even share your faith with your neighbor, with the person at Starbucks. You won't even share your faith with your own family member you're with every day. 
Like, you're not going to Africa. You're not going to India to die for him. I know that sounds great. I would go with through. Jesus, I'll do anything for you. And Jesus is like, okay, how about praying for 10 minutes a day? Like, oh, do I? I mean, I meant like, it's like we all think we're, have, we're just like super radical. I even think it myself. I'm like, man, I'm way less radical than I even think at times. I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me. Let's be honest. Like, are you who you say you are? It's like some of you are like, I'll die for Jesus. And then someone at church offends you and you backslide. I'm like, what? I thought you were going to die for Jesus. You told me you had a dream that you were on a cross for him. And now some, someone made fun of you at the church. The pastor didn't let you preach. The pastor didn't let you preach and you left God. You backslid. You went back to drinking and drugs. But you're the same one that's like, I'll go on the cross. I'm like, you can't even, what do you mean you'll go on the cross? You, you, you wouldn't even walk across the sanctuary without getting offended. You want to be put on a cross and you can't even cross, cross in front of the pastor if he doesn't hug you and high five you and say, thank you for being here. Oh, pastor didn't see me. I'm like, what is all this cross talk you're talking about? Someone gossip, gossiped about you and you went back? Like, we have to be unstoppable. What are we doing out here? We, we have to examine ourselves. Examine yourself because the devil is. The devil is examining us. He's tempting us. He's looking for a crack. Now, what's the first temptation? Now, this is interesting because Jesus is fasting. He ate nothing. And afterward, when it ended, he was hungry. Look at what the first temptation of Satan is. Man, I'm already over an hour in. Y'all, it is what it is. You're getting bonus content tonight. Verse three. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. What is the first thing? And look at verse four. But Jesus answered and said, it is written. Whoa, Jesus is using the scripture to fight the devil. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by every word of God. So what is the first attack of Satan? What is he going to come after? Identity. If you are the son of God. He's, getting G he's trying to get Jesus to question that he is the son of God. Now, this is a slimy trick he used back in the garden. Adam and Eve, eat this and you'll be like God. A few verses before, God made Adam and Eve in his image. And now the devil's like, are you sure God said don't eat that? If you eat the fruit, you're going to be like God. They already are like God. The devil's a liar. They already are. Jesus already knows he's the son of God. He's already been told. He's already been validated. And we walk around as Christians not knowing who we are. We're so defeated. I'm just a dumb sheep. No, you're not. You're a warrior for God. What are you talking about? You're not some defeated, poor, low Christian that gets stepped all, stepped all over. I'm just a poor little Christian with no money. What are you talking about? Why, why do Christians not have multi, multi-billion dollar, million dollar uh, businesses to fund the kingdom of God? What do you mean God wants you to be this broke, poor, sick, beat down, no passion, no excitement, no joy, no leadership? Where's that in the Bible? We've been anointed. We've been blessed of God. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. You're a daughter of the King. We've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. We can raise the dead. We can heal the sick. We can lead culture. We can make good music. We can cast out devils. We're not weak. If you are, if stop letting the devil tell you you can't do something. Stop letting the devil tell you you can't cast out devils. You're a lot. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Why are you letting the devil tell you about your identity more than God? He wants you to question if you're a real Christian, you'd be doing this. If you quiet devil, I don't have time for you today. You're annoying me. It's too hot in here. My AC's broken. Get out of my house. It's too hot. Come back when the AC works and I'll beat you up again. We listen, 
The devil should be leaving this live stream in a wheelbarrow. Someone should be bringing him out, knock down, beat down, triple black eye, him and his minions. We're not playing. We're not afraid of you. You know, the Bible says there's coming a time where you're going to see the devil and you're going to go, that was the guy that overthrew the nations that caused nations to be in despair and up. The devil's not this mighty, all-powerful God. He's a lowercase God. He has a little G. He, ha he literally has a little G. Like, he's the little God. He's the ruler of this world, but we've not, we're not citizens of this world. Look at this. He's the ruler of, I'm getting fresh revelation on the spot here. He's the ruler of this world, but here's the thing. We're not of this world. We're of a different world and a different kingdom. So he doesn't have dominion over us. He literally is a little G. He's the little G. He's the little G. We can do this. He knows your weaknesses. He's a clown. He's a little G. He knows your weaknesses. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. What does he hit Jesus with? He targets Jesus with where he's the weakest. Where is he the weakest? He's hungry. He was hungry. The Bible says, look at this. So he says, make this, break your fast. The devil knows our weakness. Everybody has a different weakness. Some of you came out of a drug background. I didn't. I have zero desire to do drugs. You can put every drug in the world and uh, you can make a mountain of drugs and I can climb to the top of it and lay, take a nap and I will not be tempted to touch it. I've never done drugs. I was never into drugs. It's not my thing, but I dealt with lust. So I know what the devil would try to get me in. And so I know what my weaknesses are. The devil can't create new sins for me. He could only pervert and recreate the sin I've already committed. So the devil's not going to come after me with drugs. He's going to come after me with drinking. He's going to come after me with lust. And so I know where I'm weak in is where the devil is going to first attack. Some of you are weak in the area of gossip. So he'll bring people around you to help gossip with you. Some of you are weak in the area of drugs. Some of you are weak in the area of your insecure. So the devil will get you in front of the mirror saying that's too big. And that's too small. And this doesn't look right. The devil knows your weaknesses. Some of you are weak in the area of drinking. The devil knows that. So he's going to bring temptation. Know your weakness because that's where the devil is going to attack you the most. Okay. Jesus response is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We don't eat stones. He said, turn this stone into bread. We don't eat stones. We live by God's voice. Every word of God, the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and know me. They hear me. So I live my life led by, I'm not eating stones, which stones are representation of idols. Too many of you are eating stones. You're fed by idols. You're fed by television. You're fed by movies. You're fed by whatever it is, TikTok, whatever feeds you. We don't live by stones. We don't eat stones. We live by the word of God, not bread alone, but by the word of God. So he's tempting Jesus. Just break your fast. Make these stones to become bread. Jesus responds with the word of God. Look at what verse five says. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, the kingdoms. And the devil said, all this authority I'll give you and their glory. So the devil had authority over these kingdoms. Remember, he's the ruler of this world. Of course he has authority over things of this world. I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I wish. So the devil says, I've been given this, these kingdoms, and some say spiritual. I don't fully know what he means by kingdoms, spiritual kingdoms, physical kingdoms. But look what he says. I will give them to you. I've been delivered them. I've been given them and I could give them to you, whoever I want. Therefore, if you worship me, all this will be yours. So what does the devil want? Worship. 
He wants you to worship him. Jesus said, now notice Jesus doesn't say they don't belong to you. They belong to my father. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say you're a liar. He said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, using the scripture again, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So the devil wants worship. Remember, he gets kicked out of heaven for wanting worship. He wants you to do things that glorify him. He wants you to do things that exalt him. He offers the kingdoms of this world. And he does this to celebrities. I'll give you all of this. You won't age. You'll have money. You'll have this. And it works. It happens to people. But listen to this. Jesus was about to conquer him on the cross in a few years, take back the keys from him, and the kingdoms of the world would eventually become the kingdoms of God. So the devil's offering him a shortcut. You don't have to go to the cross, defeat me, take back the keys, and take the kingdoms of this world. This is a shortcut to what you're supposed to do. That's what the devil is offering him. And the same thing the devil offer, offers us today. God says, work for money. The devil says, I'll give you a shortcut and make you rich. God says, be patient. You can't have sex till you're married. You need to be patient. And the devil says, no, just sleep with her. You're going to be married soon. You don't have to go through the process. I can give you the promise that God can give you, but I give you the easy way. The devil says, I'll give you pleasure. Just drink and be merry. And God says, no, let me fill you with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is better than wine. The devil's always offering pleasure in the place that God offers promise. The devil is always offering you shortcuts. Guys, take it from me, okay? I've been 12 years full-time ministry, going on my 13 year. Listen, there's no shortcuts. It's fasting, it's prayer, it's living holy, it's saying no to sin, it's saying no to the world, it's doing what the world doesn't do, it's living a clean and pure life, it's denying yourself, it's crucifying yourself, it's getting up on a cross. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's your entire life. It's a laid down life. There's no shortcuts. There's no getting around it. You have to literally put time in. You have to put time into witnessing. It's uncomfortable. There's effort. There's work involved. The devil offers a shortcut. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God in him only. You shall serve. This is the key word. Now, Jesus knew the devil's voice because he heard his voice in the garden. Jesus was, Jesus was there. He knew. He heard the voice of the devil. And some of you, it's like, you should know the voice of the devil. Guys, listen. Do you know how I know when the devil's trying to tempt me or a demon's trying to talk to me or anything like that? Do you know how I know when I'm like, oh, I need some deliverance prayer. I'm hearing, I'm hearing something. I'm having... Because I serve the voice for so many years. Like, how are you guys? Like, I didn't even know that was the devil talking to me. You, you served him for like 20 years. You should know his voice. You should know the voice of the devil. You served him for so long. So when he starts trying to talk to you, rebuke him. Get behind me, Satan. No, I know that voice. Trying to get me on the internet, trying to get me on that website, trying to get me to do that dirty thing. Get behind me, Satan. I've already been down that road. I already know his voice. How are you so shocking? I wouldn't have even done that. I didn't know it was the devil. You should know his voice. You served him for so many years. He presents Jesus with false worship. He wants him to worship me. Worship me. That's what he asked Jesus for. False worship. God hates false worship. He hates idol worship. He hates when we worship our job. He hates when we worship our hobbies. He hates when we worship our friends and family and he gets our leftovers. Friend, listen to me closely. You are worshiping the devil when you put things before God. There's only one person you can serve. Serve the Lord your God and him only. Only is the key. Only is the key, as my thing freezes. 
We're going to serve and worship God only. We're not serving anybody else. We're not serving the gods of this world. We're not serving the devil. We're not letting the enemy win. We're not letting the enemy have his way. We are going to serve God. We are going to worship God. We are going to praise God. And he's going to be the only person on the throne of our heart. Why is that so hard for us? Why is it so, why is it so often that we are allowing the voice of the culture and the voice of the world to come in and to silence the voice of God in our life. I want the voice of God to be the dominant voice. Jesus quotes from when Moses was, tell, was uh, telling this to Israel when they kept worshiping idols. They kept worshiping idols. And he quotes what Moses had said. Worship the Lord your God only. It's a direct quote. It's a direct quote from Moses. Okay. I think I fixed it. Nope. There we go. Okay. I fixed it. It was frozen. So don't worship idols. Now, I want you to note something else. Last thing I want to note here on this specific topic. Notice how Jesus overcomes Satan himself. He says, it is written. Many of you can't fight the devil because you don't know what is written. You know the names of every celebrity. You know the names of every football player. You know the names of your whole fantasy football team, every UFC fighter. You know all the names. But I ask you about Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and you're like, what team do they play for? Guys, we needed to get the Bible down. If we don't know the Bible, we can't say what is written. If we don't know what is written, Jesus overcame the devil directly with the word of God. Verse nine. Okay, we're almost done. Verse nine. Last temptation, those two temptations, Jesus overcame. Number three, many brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. The devil's using the Bible. The devil's using scripture here. Okay, just because you use scripture doesn't mean it's right if you're using it out of context. So the devil's using scripture. He'll give his angels charge over you, keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Okay, so the devil was using scriptures, twisting scriptures to get Jesus to live recklessly. Now this scripture is in the book of Psalms and it's about divine protection. God's angels protecting us in divine times. It was not about throwing ourselves off of a building and saying, God, you said you'd rescue me, now rescue me. A lot of us use the scripture to justify reckless behavior. Well, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin, but you're living reckless. Well, the Bible doesn't, well, the Bible, so don't test the Bible. Don't test God to see how far you can go and God will protect you and do dangerous stuff. Make, well, God's going to protect me. I could act crazy, live crazy. Do You know, you're on there driving 120 miles an hour going, well, the Bible says he'll give his angels charge over me. That's not what this means. This does not mean drive 120 miles an hour down the freeway, weaving in and out of traffic and then saying God will have his angels protect me. No, you're going to crash and die. You're going to die quoting scripture. So the devil uses scripture to justify living recklessly. Well, Jesus, well, it's okay if I do. No, 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 no. You're using the Bible out of context. Who's making you use the Bible out of context? The devil. Pastors, guys, recently a pastor saying, God told me to cuss and tries to use scripture. Nope. Nope. God did not tell you to cuss in your, cuss in your sermons or your podcast. The devil did. The devil caught, told you to cuss and the devil's getting you to use scripture and twisting it because the devil uses the Bible. That's the problem. He uses the Bible out of context. Uses it out of context. And Jesus corrects him and says, it, is also, it has also been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Stop tempting God. The devil wants you to test God. He wants you to put God and examine God. 
and say, see how good God is. Figure out God. When you start examining God, you're playing it in the hand of the devil. The devil goes, well, why don't you have that job by now? Isn't God good? This is what the devil says. Why don't you have that job by now? Why is your house being foreclosed on? Isn't God good? Why did God allow your kid to get sick and die of cancer? Why did God allow you in that car accident? The devil does this and wants you to examine God. Who are you to examine God? This is why he told Job, where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I set the mountains out? Like, who are you to try to tell me what to do? God goes, who are you to try to tell me what to do? I'm God, not you. The devil wants you to question God. Now look at what it says here. Now, something I don't fully understand is it says that earlier it says he's been, the devil was tempting him for 40 days right here, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So I don't know how that works. I don't know if these three stories were in one day within 40 days, multiple appearances, but that is interesting just to note there. I don't fully understand it, but I want you to note this. Okay. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from in, uh, from him until an opportune time. The devil is looking for an opportune time. Don't give him the opportune time. Don't give him the opportune time. Don't make it easy for him. Don't give in to that. Don't go places where it's an opportune time for him. Remember, the devil and his demons look for a good shot, a good chance. It's likely if you're up in the middle of the night on websites you shouldn't be on, it's a good opportune time for the devil. So remember this, the devil looks for opportune times. But here's what I want to close on. And I'm going to give you one more verse and we're going to pray. This was a long teaching tonight. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned after 40 days of being tempted. Look at what it says. Then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. This is the start of his ministry. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you tonight are going to return in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been going through temptation. You've been going through trial. The enemy's been ringing your bell, calling you up, hitting you up, sliding into your DMs, tempting you, causing all these issues in your life. And I'm telling you right now, God says you're going to come out of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to launch in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you the good news. Okay, write this down. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. So, We talked about Lucifer tonight, his origin, his origin story, how he fell, his strategies, how he confronted Jesus, how Jesus overcame him. We got all the tools in scripture, all the strategy, everything. We learned fully about him, okay? It's all about Jesus, all about Jesus overcoming him. What is the end of Lucifer's story, okay? Because I'm one of those that would like to say, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. What is the end of the story for Satan? Well, the Bible tells us, and the devil hates this. I, I, I think, I don't know for sure, I'm just speculating. I think this is the devil's most hated scripture in the whole Bible. It would be if I was him. If I was the devil, this would be my most hated scripture in the Bible. Are you guys ready? This is the end of his story. What's the end of his story? We saw the beginning. We saw how he works in humanity, how he tempts Jesus, how he's working in society. But let's look at the last chapter of the devil's story, the end of his story. You guys ready for this? Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Doesn't that put a smile on your face? Let me say that again. Satan will be cast in the lake of fire with his followers of burning brimstone, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Friend, there is coming a day 
where the devil will be burning in hell for a billion upon a billion times a trillion years. That is why I know the devil doesn't run hell because he will be tor have enough torment of his own to deal with for all of eternity. The devil's time is limited. He knows this. The demons know this. When Jesus showed up, they said, have you come to torment us before the time of judgment? The demons know that they're going to be thrown in the lake of fire and they're going to be judged. They know this. There's coming a time of torment for the devil. He's going to lose massively and be tormented day and night. Now is not that time. Right now is not that time. But there's coming a time where the devil will be tormented day and night. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to overcome every strategy and every plan of the devil. Satan, you have no power. Satan, you have no power. You have no authority over us. Come on, right now, start praying. You have no power. You have no authority. We come against every strategy and every plan of the enemy. Come up and out of us now. Every satanic spirit, every unclean spirit, leave in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would help us to overcome every work, every plan, and every strategy of darkness. Lord, help us to know the word of God. Help us, God, to understand that we can only fight the devil with scripture. We can only fight the devil with scripture. Help us to get in the word of God. Help us to learn the word of God with context. Satan, you are bound. We bind every foul satanic spirit, every representative of Satan. We bind you in Jesus' name. We command you out. Go into the abyss and never return in Jesus' name. Go into the abyss and never return in Jesus' name. You have no power. You have no authority. The blood is against you, Satan. You've lost. You've lost. You've lost in Jesus' name. Father, release your power. Father, release your anointing. Lord, release your fire, I pray right now, God. Burn up every foul spirit in Jesus Christ's name. Every foul spirit out of their mouth into the abyss. You have no power. You have no place. God, help us to not take the word of God out of context. Help us to walk according to your will, Lord. In Jesus' name, do what only you can do, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. We rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. We rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. The blood is against you. The blood is against you. You have no power. You have no authority. Every strategy, every plan we uproot right now. We break every curse. Every curse is broken in Jesus' name. Every curse is broken. The blood is against you, Satan. We break your curse. We sever your roots. We sever your ties in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, I pray you cleanse every person with the blood of Jesus. Wash them in your precious blood. Lord, wash them in your precious blood. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to just every day put on the full armor of God. Every day to put on the full armor of God to withstand the schemes and the plans of the devil. Lord, I pray right now, help us to put on the full armor of God every day and walk according to your commands. Satan, you are bound. You are bound. You have no power. We put on the full armor of God to stand against your schemes. I pray, Lord, that you would un uncover the schemes of the devil in our life. Show us, Lord, where he's scheming and planning so we can get ahead of him, so we can be proactive and not reactive. Help us, Lord, to overthrow the devil's schemes, to be proactive and not reactive, to get ahead of him, Lord. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, touch every person. Break every curse, Lord. Break every curse. Every spirit must go. Every spirit must go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. We come against every foul scheme. Pray for your family. Pray for your kids. Pray for your wife. I pray, Lord, for our families. Deliver them, God. We sever their ties right now in Jesus' name. We sever their ties right now in Jesus' name. We put on the full armor of God. We shatter every satanic stronghold right now. Every satanic stronghold we shatter in Jesus Christ's name. We break the stronghold in Jesus' name. You have no power over us. Every stronghold is broken in Jesus' name. Every stronghold is broken right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we break these strongholds right now. Father, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Touch every person in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill them, God, with the Holy Spirit so they can walk out in power and authority and help them walk according to your commands. Help us to not be arrogant or proud, God. Keep us humble. Let us not be like Satan where we want people to worship us. Lord, that we live in such a self-absorbed Instagram, Facebook generation where everything's about liking us and us and us. And I pray that, God, we would not be arrogant or proud or self-absorbed like the devil is. Help us, Lord. Every stronghold we pull down in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.